In this episode of The Full Nerd, 8086K overclocking, a soldered Intel CPU again, and ask Steve Burke almost anything about technology. Welcome to the Full Nerd episode 59. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with in the flesh, Brad Charkis. Right here. Yeah, yeah and Gordon, you're nice live. Yeah, I, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Without the lag and everything. Yeah, sure. yeah. And then talking over you. Yeah. <laughs> Callahan Auto, they make uh, it's like O'Reilly's. And very special guest, Steve Burke, the Steve Burke of Gamers Nexus. How's it going? And, of course, controlling the vertical and horizontal and the off switch is Adam Patrick Murray. Man, uh, what a great episode. We got Brad here. We got Steve here. Uh, a little quick house uh, cleaning thing. The the winner of the AMD Threadripper t-shirt last week, uh, let me grab his name, uh, Marvin from Ohio, uh, has yet to get back to me. So if you are listening or watching, please email me uh, or, or tweet at me something uh, and we can, uh, we can get you your shirt. So... Uh, in the meantime, let's uh, let's talk about some awesome PC hardware. Awesome PC hardware. Yeah. Well, in fact, actually, we're going to kick that off because we did a cool giveaway last time. It was a signed Threadripper 2, really second-generation Threadripper <laughs> t-shirt. Awesome stuff. Uh, this week, uh, we're not going to start this, kick this off, but we are going to be giving away this right here, which Soon. is a, not only is it a limited edition Core i7-8086K, it is actually signed none other than by Gregory Bryant of Dang. Intel. So, and I got to say, if I got this, I don't think I'd open it up, you know. Maybe I'd like steam off the heat seal or something like that, or steam off the <laughs> tape and then like pretend it didn't. Uh, I think this, perfect. It's so collectible. Might slip that into my luggage tonight and then y'all won't give away nothing. It looks, and it looks, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't this be cool just sitting on the shelf? I mean, just... Yeah, so so keep uh, keep your eyes peeled at, at PC World. We're going to put up the uh, the contest soon, uh, and we will be announcing winners and and stuff on the next full nerd. So yeah, we'll announce yeah. it. So I'm just want, you want to give you time just to, to get up, ready for you know, that. Get that's, ready. That's you a get cool ready. one. But of course, uh, if you want to know about eighty eighty six K, which is a uh, Coffee Lake S, these you know these are the actual bin parts. Um, Steve has done a bunch of overclocking on these himself, and yeah. I, I what. What so better than eighty seven hundred K? It it well, it is an eighty seven hundred K. No, so. it's not. It says eighty eighty six K right here. That's you know, you got me there, yeah. Um yeah, so uh, there is a, a good reason that if you buy an eighty seven hundred K over the last couple months or even right now, there's a there's a pretty good chance that you're not gonna get a high overclocker because they're probably pulling all of those and turning them into eighty eighty six Ks. So it is um it's tricky because if you're not genuinely planning on really pushing the thing then there's absolutely no value in so buying it $75 more or something like that right Right yeah, yeah. you you might as well buy an 8700k it's still perfectly good but if you are actually really interested in overclocking and uh you do like the idea of either competitively overclocking or just pushing for a higher number cuz bigger numbers are better <laughs> then uh it is worth it i guess because it's basically guaranteed to get a high clock so you're not playing the silicon lottery quite as much as with an 8700k so you so you actually did your overclocking live uh on your on your channel uh gamers nexus how far did you push it 
we went for so we, that was like a four hour long live stream uh <laughs> and a lot of the last two hours was just memory overclocking i think so we ended up doing about 5.35 gigahertz which is like in the in the context of any other intel cpu or any other cpu is really high yep. <laughs> yeah over five gigahertz is not something you hear about a whole lot without like dry ice or something so yeah no it, it did great uh our 8700k stop at around 5 to maybe 5.1 in some applications so an extra couple hundred megahertz it doesn't gain you a ton in fps but i guess it's it's cool and it's really fun to do and overclocking is really something that you do primarily for fun so mm -hmm. uh so from that perspective yeah it was a really good performer it's 5.35 though to answer the question and the bigger thing was the voltage required at a given frequency is way lower than the 8700k's we've worked with oh so, nice so you feel that these are pretty much just all the bin they just they saved all the good ones and then sold them as 86k parts yeah so i don't know if intel's officially guaranteeing any kind of frequency i don't know if they were guaranteeing 5.0 but i think it's pretty safe to assume that they'll all hit 5.0 for the most part anyway and beyond that uh with the we have two now and both of those can do beyond 5.0 so i i think they it's definitely like they're they're pre-tested or pre-selected or as you know colloqu colloquially you'll call it bend right yeah. parts so um yeah i would i would say they they definitely just went through and pre-selected the best ones yeah if you go look on silicon lottery like something like 90 percent of them plus no 100 percent of them hit five gigahertz i believe okay they yeah. tested so do they are they i mean it says limited edition but I, I don't know what that means it's like limited to is don't want to buy them anymore or does that just mean they're only gonna make it's, five thousand or something no it's not that limited uh there are a lot of them uh so we we know how many there are uh i can't reveal it but it is there's a good amount of them i don't think you have to like panic to buy one uh they'll be gone at some point it's just i don't know if they'll be gone before the next generation so yeah yeah, there's, I mean, there's plenty though. They're I'm, still they're still on sale. I was I was interested to see when they went on sale whether it would be like, hey, this sales out in two days. Showed how many there are, but no, you just still go. If you go to Amazon this past week, they were on sale for under four hundred dollars. They were actually like on sale. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I think I think I saw them for three eighty, three seventy nine. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing. But I, you know, and I and I do I agree with you. I mean, if you're hey, I'm just going to run this part stock. Yeah, why would you ever buy this? But there is value to the collectability because you know eighty eighty six eighty eighty six k the fiftieth anniversary, all this stuff. You know, so there's some value to that if you're like an Intel fan or a, sort of a computer historian, I guess. Yeah, if you're like into computer history and stuff like that, then sure, I, I could totally see that, especially if you actually bought and used the 8086 or something when it first came out mm -hmm. if that if that were like some major milestone for you i could definitely see it mm -hmm. being sentimental value at that point uh steve we have a question on youtube from e lopez 580 he's asking uh do you think the 8700k inventory is not ideal for overclockers now uh with the 8086k here i think it's uh not ideal i guess is is pretty good phrasing um <laughs> you're still i'm sure you're still fine like i don't have numbers on that but i would assume most it's still like an 8700k it's still a decent cpu uh it should still hit 4.9 i would think in almost all scenarios so depending on how how high you're willing to push the voltage so i don't think it's like it's not like suddenly just because the 8086k exists you're only going to get 8700k's that do stock and nothing else I, it's not going to be like that but um 
Yeah, I mean, if you want definitely the best overclocking, you have a better chance with an 8086K. But we, one of our uh, Patreon backers recently just told us how he was hitting 5.3 gigahertz on an 8700K with like 1.4 or 1.35 volts, which is really good. So it's still possible to get a good one. It's just, uh, you know, you're rolling the dice on it like always. Uh, were you doing that with a custom loop or just a CLC or would you... You for our overclock, yeah, so we did, um, I think we used uh, Kraken X62, which is a 280 millimeter uh, closed loop. And uh, the only reason I was able to get away with that is because it was delitted with liquid metal. So uh, if you if I didn't delit it, didn't do liquid metal, then there's, there's no chance we could have hit the frequencies we did because it's just, it gets too hot. Do you think that's worthwhile to do? I mean, I've, obviously, everyone's not going to do delit it and do liquid metal, but do you think it's worthwhile to do if you invest in this chip? I think it is. Well, if you're buying it because you are using it the way it's, I guess, sort of intended to be used, which is overclock it as high as you can, then uh, you should probably delit it and probably put liquid metal on it. But, um, you know, if you're okay stopping at 5.0, 5.1 gigahertz, then that's survivable mm -hmm. without delitting. It's just the cooling requirement gets a lot greater. And the other thing is, too, you can, if noise is a consideration, and maybe you're only overclocking it to 5.3 for fun, and then you're going to dial it back for 24-7 use, uh, noise is a consideration potentially because mm -hmm. you can significantly reduce fan speeds if the transfer between the die and the IHS is better which liquid metal allows. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of delitted, uh, or delitting, I'm sorry, uh, Simon Fuller on uh, YouTube is asking, uh, what about these eBay delitting de services for like 13 pounds? Thoughts, risks? Would you no go for way. it? I would never, <laughs> never do like an eBay delit service. Uh, I don't care how many reviews they have. 13 bucks, first of all, isn't, I don't know, if they just delit it and send it back, I guess that's, uh, it's, there's too much risk. Like, there's a reason. If you're afraid to delit something yourself, there's a reason you pay companies like Silicon Lottery or, or whoever it may be, fifty plus dollars for it. And it's because you know that they're not going to screw it up. And if they do, then they got you. Like, <laughs> they're going to make it right. So I wouldn't trust a random eBay delit. I don't know. Maybe they just keep your CPU or something. So. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the thing that I'd be worried about is you send your part in. They they delete it for you. They also, by the way, go ahead and sort it out themselves. Like, wow, this is like the, right. this is like the magic part. This thing is hitting five five at one point two volts, right? It's like, right. you don't know yeah. what you're getting back. You just get back a chip. You could get like, you know, average lousy one. <laughs> yeah, Ruruchi says that that seems a bit shady. Uh, and Quickshot Gaming uh, is asking, would it be better for the casual person to just buy a cheap four point nine bin from Silicon Lottery then? Uh, as opposed to like an 8086K or something. I don't know if it's, I, well, as far as delitting and all that stuff goes, I know they sell pre-delitted parts too. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Of, I, I like Silicon Lottery. I've worked with them, really like what they do. Uh, if you feel like you're interested in delitting, I'd say do it yourself though. Um, but as far as, is it worth buying a bin 4.9? Uh, I would probably just roll the dice and assume that most 8700Ks are going to be 4.9 or like even if it's 4.8 or 4.85 what are you really losing at that point it's yeah. it's you know uh, maybe one or two fps in most games 
And if you spend the money on a deluded uh, uh, 8700K, you might as well just spend that money on an 8086K at that point, because they're pretty much all hitting 5 gigahertz anyway. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. And and if it's deluted, it might be worth it for uh, apart from Silicon Lottery. But also, it's it's not that difficult to delit it yourself. It's fairly safe. I they guarantee it, so there is a difference there. You you always assume some risk, but if you buy a good deliting tool you'll be fine well speaking of which uh robin on facebook just asked uh, what tools do you recommend for delitting we use uh so we use der bauer's delid tools for the high-end hedt cpus like the 7980xe it's it's way overbuilt he knows it's overbuilt it's <laughs> way over engineered uh that's kind of what he does though but also if i'm delitting de- like a two thousand dollar processor then <laughs> you yeah, want it overbuilt yeah exactly. you're not going to save yeah. five dollars in the amazon knockoff version no yeah <laughs> uh if you're doing something like the the sort of desktop parts like the, the ones we've been talking about then the rocket cool kits are very affordable and that's what i use they're mm-hmm. perfectly fine their bauer also has some uh some par- uh for that category of product as well though uh, i haven't used those lately i've been using the rocket cool ones just because they're easy and affordable mm-hmm. and none of those kits are universal they're all obviously designed for each you know different cpu i guess yeah for the most part so you can use the rocket cool kit that i've been using i don't know if it has a model number but it works on the 7700 and the 8700 so it's right. a lot of the intel packages really haven't changed mm-hmm. so uh they work on pretty much anything but yeah, they'll have a support list. You know, make sure make sure it fits. Uh, an ACB game on YouTube is asking, uh, why don't manufacturers use integrated I/O shields? Integrated I/O shields on motherboards. Uh, ASUS does. I mean, all the if we're talking random, about random question. <clears throat> I think it is a random question, but he uh, he or she is asking about the motherboards, and you know, instead of those stupid little metal plates that you got to stick in the case. Right. Like, you're not going to not run it, so... And the, the latest Asus boards do, they just haven't built in, right? The higher-end higher boards in general tend to include that. It's that's like a premium feature. That's why you paid $85 more uh, for it. So it's all worth it. <laughs> it is, because the first time you don't put in that stupid I.O. shield, you're like, oh, should have paid for it. Yeah, you're like, well, darn, looks like I don't have an I.O. shield. <laughs> <clears throat> did you... Um, did, uh, so you did it with... You did it with um, uh, liquid metal... Did, I've always kind of worried because it's been a long time since I've worked with liquid metal when it first came out. Um, and is that gap, is it, is it a problem with liquid metal? Because I usually think of liquid metal for between, you know, a cold block or, or heat sink and, and, and heat spreader. But it mm-hmm. seems to me the, the gap between the die and the, and, the, and the IHS must be pretty big. Do you have to, like, build it up or is it actually big enough? So there is definitely, this is a part of delitting that, isn't discussed as frequently we we try to bring it up but it's uh there isn't basically an air gap if you were to just straight delit it and then relit it and maybe not change anything there'll be an air gap there so the best way to deal with it is basically to scrape off a lot of the silicone adhesive that's the black glue that's around the outside mm. and it's it's a very large part of delitting that like yeah liquid metal is really cool and it improves things a lot and it's responsible for a lot of the performance uplift but equally responsible is getting rid of a lot of that glue because uh if i've done this if you delit it like on our 7980xes we've done if you just delit it and apply liquid metal and don't get rid of any of the adhesive uh there's a very good chance that the temperatures are going to be in like the 90s 
which is worse oh. than you know before deleting it. Yeah. So if you ever delete something, you look at it and the temperatures are worse. It's probably because the dye and the IHS aren't making contact because there's a gap, like you're talking about, Gordon. Because um, that adhesive is a big problem. So yeah, scrape off as much of it as you can, and uh, that would be about uh, half the thermal performance that you get back. Does that does that affect any of the heat sinks? Because uh, you know, I imagine that uh, the the height for most of the like a stock Intel cooler, it doesn't. It sort of expects the heat the heat spreader to be at a certain height. Now you've lowered it maybe half a millimeter or something. Does that is that a problem for any of the coolers you've run into, or is it? No, fortunately that doesn't seem to matter because uh, I think just the first of all the socket clamps really hard, and I think once it clamps, everything's pretty much brought to equal okay. uh you're talking about less than a millimeter of difference so you just tighten the screws a little more and it'll be fine that's right i forget the clamp actually it actually does grab onto the heat spreader itself so it's not like you're actually pushing on the outside package so that probably helps right to, and that doesn't if you just enough that that little so for people who don't know what the hell we're talking about if you look at the cpu there's an adhesive that they they glue the integrated heat spreader onto. Yeah, why don't you just take that one out? You know, I'll just take it out and we'll give it away. <laughs> and if you don't, he's saying if you don't scrape that off, you're going to have that extra air gap. But I'm I'm just kind of wondering. I would think it cinching down that socket, the CPU itself and socket's not. It's still enough. It's just still enough to mess with it. So yeah, it's it's actually completely fine. Um, the even the 7980XEs, which are double stacked <laughs> substrates. So it's like, uh, you know, it's it's the green part when I'm referring to substrate. That's the green part of the piece or the uh, the CPU, and then there's another stack ab- above that, and then the die, and those have two layers of glue on them with between the integrated heat spreader, the IHS, and the substrate. And even then, it there's no tolerance issue with clamping it down. It's still it's still contact. Okay. Uh, we got a question from YouTube uh, from Spector. Uh, would I be able to get a high overclock on a mini ITX board, like 5 gigahertz or above, or is it only on the full ATX boards? You can totally do it on mini ITX. You just have to make sure. The only real difference is that mini ITX boards, because they're smaller, they might have, there's a good chance they have a smaller VRM yeah. or voltage regulator module. So if you ever look at the socket and you see that, sort of L-shape of capacitors and uh, the you know chokes or inductors, which are those like rectangular bricks. Uh, you see those, that's the VRM. Many ITX boards probably, in a lot of cases, have a smaller VRM, might be weaker, but as long as they're still using good quality MOSFETs and VRM components on it, it can achieve a fine overclock. It's just, you might need an extra fan on there or something like that to get heat away from the VRM, but, um, yeah, there there are good ITX boards out there for overclocking, but they're significantly more expensive just because you're dealing with a smaller area. So the vendors often have to use higher quality components in that smaller area, which costs more. Yeah, and a lot of the the quality ITX boards that I've seen, um, and Steve, Steve agrees with me. You know, they <laughs> there's no room on the the actual board, so they put them on riser boards. The VRMs are sort of built vertically sometimes. You know, some yeah, of the earlier see boards. That. It, yep, some of those ASUS boards had that vertical vrm um so do you think uh, and i do have a question this is sort of related but so if you have an itx board you're probably not going to get a high overclock out of an lt budget one 
but you have you have to pay for a higher end one. Do you see the same difference sort of from an ultra budget, you know, ATX motherboard versus, you know, super whiz blank uh, bling board with all the stuff on it? You can. There are some expensive boards that actually don't have good voltage regulator modules because uh, they might push other stuff like looks or uh, LEDs or whatever. So they're not every high end board is going to be good at overclocking bios is a huge consideration you could have the best vrm in the world but if your bios is not able to take advantage of it it doesn't really matter but it has so, heat sinks steve it has yeah. heat sinks okay yeah <laughs> yeah so i would say yes um the low end atx boards are uh are pretty big offenders of having <laughs> parts that are not really suitable for z series so you know there's kind of a cutoff where uh a low-end z series board would be perfectly acceptable as like an h series chipset or something like that or b series chipset the non-overclocking ones but they just threw a z series chipset on it because they want to be a cheap z series board if you actually take it to task and try and overclock you'll run into thermal issues on it Hmm. But I know you guys and uh, Buildzoid spend a lot of time breaking down, looking at these motherboards. Um, I'm not sure. Have you guys looked at many Z-series motherboards? Is there any in particular you recommend if you're going to get an 8086 and try to push it? If you have money, like burning a hole in your pocket, then the Maximus uh, 10 or Maximus X board is good. After the iPhone X thing, I never know whether X means 10 (laughs) or X. uh, So the, the Maximus 10 is the one that we've been using lately. It's got probably one of the best bios uh bioses you can get for overclocking uh it is expensive so gigabyte has some alternatives that are good that are like the uh the gaming 7 series is typically pretty okay Mm -hmm. Uh, msi is kind of hit and miss they've they had some really good boards uh for last generation they have a couple okay ones this time but they've gotten a bit lazy i think with the vrm design on their newer boards Mm -hmm. so do you think it's worth paying for a higher end board if you're not going to do heavy overclocking no <laughs> no definitely not like if you're uh, unless you really just i don't know if you're the kind of person who wants to tell everyone how much money you have then i guess so <laughs> but uh beyond that that's half the just, game all right yeah <laughs> that's why all the cases have panels on the side these days <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so beyond that um as long as you get like a decent board, it doesn't have to be a high-end overclocking board. If you're not planning on overclocking, but you're still buying a high-end CPU, then just at least do yourself a favor and buy like a mid-range board. Uh, don't go too low-end because those those do have potentially other quality problems that you'll run into later. You know, but is it? It's a little tough though. I can see a consumer if if you know if you if you're not going to go read and watch every single thing in the, on the internet. You go to the store, well, you're you're in your browser store, and you're just zooming through all these motherboards, and you got to figure, like, because in the old days, ultra-budget-ass boards had nothing on them, right? Mm-hmm. It was like nothing. And then now even the ultra-budget boards just have little cheap-looking heat sink and the LEDs, even the bottom-end boards. So mm-hmm. it's really, I got to imagine the person's going to go, well, this is just as good as this one. How do you, right. how do you tell, you know? It's just... Hopefully you're doing a little bit of research before you're spending hundreds of dollars on electronics. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, there's also that, I, I think there's that backlash, too, because I, I, a lot of people go like, well, man, that, you know, that Maximus board, that's just a ripoff, right? You're not getting anything. I can see that. I mean, they say that, but it's like, yeah, there's a lot to that board, though, right? I mean, it's not just yeah, we no, marked it up 85 or $90 and, and that's it. It's definitely not a ripoff in terms of, like, uh, 
I, I know for a fact that a lot of these high-end boards, the vendors are not making that much more margin, if more margin at all, than their low-end boards. Uh, and it's because, like, you're talking R&D time, that BIOS, all those memory timings, that takes a lot of engineering hours to do. That's a big cost. So the problem is none of that stuff is visible, like you're saying. If you're just walking through Fry's or Micro Center or something, you, you know, you, all you see is a price tag, and the rest of it looks more or less the same. So it's got yeah, it mil-spec components. Mil-spec. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's where I mean that's where publications hopefully can step in and like PC World, you know, and we can help out by demystifying them a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, you're hoping that the consumer does some research, and if they don't, then I guess ways to tell boards apart would primarily be. Uh, you really can't go by brand anymore because they all make good and bad motherboards. So you can't just say X brand is good because it's not always true. So I don't know. You gotta you gotta do research online, I guess, what it comes down to because you can't just look at it necessarily and know. God, I just think though, because you know when you're in the store, you're looking at your phone, you can never figure it out. Could you go by just weight? Because <laughs> I, I know this is crazy, but if you pick up a Maximus Nine or whatever, this thing—it's just like it's a heavy. It's just got all the stuff. It just feels that IO shield. Yes, IO shield, but also you know VRMs. I, I just don't know if there's like an easy metric that you could just do in a store. You know, like I, it'd, and, it'd be nice if you could. The problem is a lot of them are putting those metal backplates on the boards now, so you're adding like mm-hmm. five pounds of steel to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, the cooling backplate, and then you know, right. I, if it actually mattered, they'd probably just put lead weights in the box, too, right? You wouldn't even know. So. <laughs> I just wish there was an easier way for people to be able to tell in the store, you know, on the fly. So I guess I can give like. A, it's not a good guideline, but it's if you're like in a store and you don't have anything better to figure it out, you can um, if you can see the motherboard, you can look at the number of chokes. And so this is not. I'll tell you why it's not a great guideline in a moment. But if you look at the number of chokes around the socket, you can kind of try and figure out how many phases the VRM is. Um, so if you see like eight of them, it might be an eight phase, or it could be a four phase doubled. And that's that's the problem because. Like counting chokes helps to a degree, uh, and the degree is if you're looking at a low-end like micro ATX board, and you see four of them, then that's definitely going to be a weak VRM. Doesn't matter what they use. Um, but if you're looking at really anything else, and you see like two boards with ten chokes, they could be completely different MOSFETs, could be completely different power delivery capabilities. So it's not a great guideline. But if you're just trying to to filter out the really garbage boards, then it's it's okay for that. Just counting the chokes, yeah, that's true. We'll get rid of those. But really, go do some research and then come back to the store. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, but I got I got, but at the same time, if it's a, if it's a three hundred dollar motherboard, it's probably going to be better than the $110 motherboard, right? I mean, it's just, that's a given? Mm, it or? depends what you're looking for. Because I remember there was a big deal with some of the early, I believe it was Ryzen motherboards, where some of those, uh, the power delivery on that was just awful, right? I think you guys covered that. Some of the Ryzen boards? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were was, there was some problems with Ryzen 1 boards in general, like BIOS was a big problem. No. And that's just, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was new architecture, so yeah, know, yeah. vendors were a little scared of AMD, I think, of like committing to it. But uh, they've gotten a lot better though. Like the X four seventy boards, some of those are really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I it was just rough. That was just a rough launch, right? So it was yeah. new to everybody. So 
We, we don't want to rehash all that again. Hey, uh, about the overclocking, because I'm going to try to use this as a segue <laughs> believe, to believe the next it or not, thing. motherboards were not on the topic. They weren't even on the topic. <laughs> like, you got Steve on here. You got to talk about motherboards. Did you do any direct contact um, overclocking, or is it all with the IHS? Is it? Does anybody even do that anymore? Yeah. Um, so we had a prototype of a, still have a prototype of a direct dye cooling kit. And it's too much for a prototype, so unfortunately the, the tolerances aren't good enough to make it work. Uh, so I'm hoping to, work, to connect with their Bauer at some point in the future and, and get a final production version of a direct eye cooler. It definitely can help. It's Theoretically, you reduce the core-to-core temperature delta. So like if you're seeing a 12-degree delta between your coolest core and your hottest core, it might tighten that to, I don't know, eight degrees or something or five degrees with direct dye. So that's really the main benefit. Um, the scenarios where that becomes useful are pretty limited, which is why those direct dye kits are really, really limited volume and pretty expensive because they don't make a lot of them. Uh, and let me let me translate that for some of the people who don't know. So <laughs> there is this little metal cover on all CPUs today. It's called the integrated heat spreader. This protects the, the sensitive actual cpu die from under here and some people will just not even run the heat spreader and go directly to the die uh and the danger of course is you tilt it a little too much or a little too much torque and you crack the die and you kill the cpu so right yeah that's definitely a big concern (laughs) but uh that actually brings me to the next topic that i really want to talk to you about and that is soldering whether okay there's rumors of i don't know if anybody saw this there's rumors of a Coffee Lake A uh, S part coming up that is going to be soldered. So there's, I mean, this is completely rumored. Nobody knows if it's true or not. But there's talks of next Intel part being soldered, offering you know five five. Uh, I think on turbo. I don't, I, I don't know. But it's I have so, no idea. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a rumor. Who knows? It's all rumors. But um, I guess what it really does. I, I, why I want to discuss it is because it, it's about soldering. Because on for what you did, you took off the Intel. Um, uh, paste thermal paste uh yep. it's actually just they scrape old uh gum off of the sidewalk out in front of the <laughs> intel building and they remanufacture <laughs> that into paste that's not true at all actually intel <laughs> does get that paste somewhere i don't know but uh, they get it from dow, dow corning in the yeah. dow corning and it's you know there's, there's a lot of scientists who make a ton of money figuring that out um big discussion later but i in the old days it was always soldered yep. so it was indium solder and and um do you think if they solder apart, could they really get like these? The rumors are a 5.5 gigahertz, you know, uh, coffee uh, apart. It depends on it on what changes with whatever CPU that is. Like if that's an eight core, five gigahertz is still pretty high. So yeah. Uh, so I don't know if soldering is enough. Like if it's an architectural change, then maybe. But with the current architecture, 5.5 is still really high. Um, so I would not expect that stock uh, as a turbo frequency unless it's like maybe single or dual core. I wouldn't expect eight core to turbo to 5.5, uh, like all eight yeah. cores. That seems kind of crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, that does seem insane, doesn't it? Yeah, but- so uh, I don't, yeah, I, I didn't read the rumor, so I, I don't know exactly what they said. But um, as far as soldering in general, it is a better solution than liquid metal. Uh just in general, but I guess a few points here. One is you don't need to delid a CPU for it to still be usable. Like that's as much as I 
advocate for delitting and liquid metal for overclocking, you don't actually need to do it. And there's a big disconnect there where people want that binary, uh, this is good, this is bad so much when it comes to Intel and AMD that everyone just says uh, the TIM is just straight bad. And the TIM's not great for overclocking, but if you're using it just out of the box, it is actually okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's normally the motherboards that are out at fault for pushing too much voltage, not the CPU itself. So as far as does it need to be soldered, no, I guess not, not to operate within their spec, <coughs> but it would certainly help in competing with AMD, who are now suddenly actually a real competitor to Intel out of almost nowhere. Um, but yeah, soldering, I, I, it would certainly help with thermals. It would eliminate the need for delitting a liquid metal completely. Um, will it make an eight core CPU do all eight cores at 5.5 <laughs> turbo out of the box? No, I don't think so. Not It's not magic. Without. It's magic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, but uh, sorry, I, I don't, Brad. If you got a question, I don't. Want no, to I'm this. under the weather. I'm fine with you talking okay. all day. So I want to know, and I've never gotten to the bottom of this. Is this how much? What? What? What's? Because you know, back in the days, you know, 2600K was was soldered. You know, uh, Gulf Town was soldered. All those old chips were soldered. And then yeah. was, that, was it Haswell Ivorybridge where we stopped soldering? Sandy was soldered. Sandy was so soldered. I think I, Ivy was too, right? I can't remember if Ivy was or not, but definitely, think, definitely after Ivy, it was not soldered. I don't remember if Ivy was. You know, because then that started this like, oh, they just are doing this to be cheap. But I'm wondering, is there is there more to that? You know, because maybe the die is just too small. I mean, it's it's just there's, odd to me. You know, there's potentially more to it. So there are a few different arguments here, and I'm not I'm not like agreeing with any of them, but I'll present them. Right. Uh, one of the arguments that I think Intel has made in the past, I don't know if they officially made that argument or not, but was that uh, smaller dies, they had a concern of micro fractures in the solder, where like their concern was that the solder in uh, like a Sandy Bridge size part would crack over a lot of thermal expansion and contraction over time. Now, Sandy Bridge was really popular. There's a lot of them out there. You don't hear a whole lot about it cracking. So I don't know, like there, there's definitely validity to the idea and the theory of what of that argument. I just don't know how realistic it is that you end up in that scenario. Uh, another potential counter or, or argument for thermal pace, what they use is uh, the, um, what is it called? zero conflict or no conflict oh, resources yeah so this is one I, th I think on the business side that people don't really think about a lot but uh thermal paste is easier to get no conflict than like indium solder huh and for people don't know uh zero conflict means they didn't literally there's it's not from a place where everybody's killing each other to get <laughs> the stuff so you're you're feeding it to people killing each other so that's usually a negative <laughs> Right, yeah, usually a negative. And Intel had a big campaign around zero conflict for a while. Uh, so I don't know if that plays into it, but I, I think there is something there from a business perspective where I, I don't know if they're like government grants or anything like that for being zero conflict, but right. I, I could see that being an argument as well. Huh. I mean, that kind of, because it's really confusing to me because, you know, the, the classic argument you hear from people is like, well, Xeon soldered. Xeon, you're right. charging X, you know, multi thousands of dollars for consumer parts we don't get it and, and of course the weird thing to me is um a sky like x two thousand dollars and you didn't get soldered there so right. that was I, I i never have understood what what is going on there you know so 
it, it could just come down to straight being cheaper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, Sandy Bridge days, Celerons are soldered, right? I mean, they right. weren't. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I do like the zero conflict theory. That may maybe makes sense. It's it's just much more difficult to do, and they don't sell as many Xeons as they do, certainly, you no. know, consumer core parts. <laughs> Uh, right. question from Spectre on YouTube. Uh, will we ever see laptop CPUs soldered? Uh, those are normally direct die to yeah. the, to the, um, the cooler. So you don't really, like the problem with laptop CPUs is if you're, you don't actually have an IHS typically. And so if you're soldering the die to the cooler, then that becomes a problem where no one can make the laptop except for Intel, basically. Yeah. And they're all, and all the laptop parts are BGA now and it's... I don't. I don't think I've seen a uh, heat spreader in a laptop since Haswell. So, wow, I'm still yeah. getting feedback. No, no, just a little, little bit of static. Okay, not a problem. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, what was I going to ask? So we're talking about solder. Um, should we? How much time do we have left? Oh, should we go to the? Uh, ask Steve anything segment? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so if anyone has a burning question for Steve or any of the full nerd uh, gang, especially Brad here in the chair today, uh, you can put them in the comments talk too much. right now. Uh, I do have uh, some that I've been holding on to for a little bit. Uh, so from Twitch, DR104 is asking, uh, what does Steve think of the ASRock Z370 Extreme 4? On the spot. How much is away? It's a motherboard. How much is away? That's what I want to know. <laughs> way more better. Let's see if I've, I actually have not worked with this board, so I don't have a great answer for you, unfortunately. Perfect. I don't know if, if Buildzoid has talked about it, but he he may have. But I, I you know, I, I do think cost, you know, like if you're looking for a rough metric, you got to figure lower costs. Eh. But, you know, they give you, so, Azeroth gives you so much value, so maybe they've got beefy VRMs and. But uh, Azrock started as a not great brand for yeah. much of anything, and become became actually pretty good. So uh, their BIOS has gotten a lot better. It's still still kind of buggy sometimes, but uh, like overall, the brand has improved its its motherboards. I don't know specifically if the Extreme Four is any good though. I haven't worked with that one. Uh, while we're on the topic, though, uh, Gamers Nexus does do a lot of work looking at motherboards with Buildzoid, who actually does a lot on his own nice. on his YouTube channel. Actually, yeah. hardcore overclocking, so you can he might cover it there. Steve just said so. I'd suggest checking out there see if he has. But be prepared to sit and listen to about forty-five minutes of every <sighs> detail of a motherboard. Perfect. <laughs> uh, from Facebook, uh, Addies three hundred one. Um, says, uh, who is doing your 3D models and renders for Gamers Nexus? Oh He's doing a great job. <laughs> is that him behind you? No, it's uh, that's part of a new meme that developed when we did our four-hour long overclocking live stream. <laughs> uh, several people did the Super Chat donations, you know, where they give a couple bucks nice. and submit a comment. And the, a lot of those people submitted that question saying, <laughs> or that comment saying, uh, Steve, tell Andrew he's a great cameraman and 3D modeler. And so oh. that, that was, for whatever reason, that was the wholesome meme that developed for that stream. <laughs> Got so that it. Those Andrew, cubes that you guys yeah. sell are pretty sweet looking, though. Oh, is the there cubes? one there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're really cool, actually. <laughs> we like them. <laughs> uh, so here's another one from uh, Patrick Sullivan. Uh, Steve, your home rig, AMD, AMD or Intel? Uh, I am running. In the main machine I work off of, I run uh, actually an FX8370 that's been downclocked and undervolted. 
So uh, <laughs> that's not an answer you hear every day. <laughs> yeah, that's kicking it old school there, man. That's... Yeah, this is something I was talking with Linus. He might do a video in the future uh, related to this a little bit, but uh, yeah, the FX eighty three seventy. I mean, I never particularly liked the CPU and. So my thought process when I built this machine was I want to pull parts off the shelf that I'm not going to use for testing anymore. <laughs> and I had two of them and I didn't like them. So I, I pulled one and I'm like, it was fine. Uh, but at the time I was building this system, there was just there was no reason to have two to test mm-hmm. anymore because they were old by the time I tested, I uh, built it. So, yeah, um, it's uh, an AMD underclocked, undervolted part because the VRM on the motherboard was overheating. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I do wonder, because I, I, I got to say, if you were to ask around this room, people would be probably shocked by what I use at home. And I think you're probably, well, you're running a Sandy Bridge part? I'm on Ryzen now. Oh, you're on Ryzen now. Okay, yeah. for your... I But I just kind of think, like, when you do this all day, every day, like, do you want to go home and, like, I want to mess with my box now? It's like, no, <laughs> I got to move all the data. It's like, no. Because everybody seems like, oh, you got a Threadripper, right? Like, uh, no, no. I'm no, like the, a Sandy company, Bridge E, you know? The company yeah. has Threadripper. Yes. But it was like, you just, it's hard to, like, motivate yourself to mess with everything. So, at home, too. Yeah, yeah. some people don't realize, like, uh, sometimes you'll see a giant stack of GPUs behind me when I'm Skyped in and... None of those are mine. I mean, I don't play games on those. You're running those a 970, Brad? Yeah, at, at home? No, just... No, <laughs> no just 8086K. That's, that's what <laughs> I got. Even, uh, even some of the XOC, the Extreme Overclockers, like Der Bauer, I don't know if he still does, but a couple months ago, I know he was running on like a 37, uh, 3770 <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know, and this, these are like XOCers, and it's because you work with the really good stuff in your test systems, and then when you get home, you're kind of sick of the blue screen. And you just want it to work. <laughs> See, but I there's a pattern. Look, yeah. FX. I'm running Sandy Bridge E. You're running. I was. Oh, were you I running Ryzen? Look at that. Uh, oh, someone's uh, all fancy oh, here, Brad. Oh, oh, oh. What's up with the? Ooh. <laughs> I've graded my whole system last year. I think Adam's on a on a, a Devil's Canyon. Part, Devil's Canyon. Yep. You know, so. Uh, yeah, it's all fun. Uh, here's a good one from uh, E Lopez. Uh, he's asking, Steve, you did a review of an all-copper IHS a while back. Any idea why it doesn't do as good a job as you expected? I think um, it depends which one you're talking about. The one for Intel, the copper IHS, was actually not bad. Uh, I think it was like on average a 5-degree difference, which is just outside of our tolerance for error. So 5 degrees is, is pretty good. Ultimately, though, to answer the question, those don't do a whole bunch for you because... Uh, the IHS that's already on the CPU stock is copper. It's just nickel plated. And so really, the nickel plating doesn't interfere that much with thermal transfer. So what you're looking at is like the Intel copper IHS is from Rocket Cool, which is what we tested. They have a bit more surface area. And that's like all of it. That's where all of your improvement comes from. It's not just from the raw copper. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was wondering. It's like it's already copper, so but it's just surface area. Is it also easier to lap to because it's just you have access to the copper. You don't have that hard nickel on the well, side. Well, it's it's basically pre-polished. Oh, so okay. I guess that's another. That's actually another good point. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a bit more polished. Wow, that's taking it to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and a another question from E. Lopez, not related. Uh, will Intel fully refresh the Coffee Lake i7 stack, or just add the eight core for anybody? Hmm. Will they refresh it or add the eight core? I think 
the spec tables I've seen, like the rumors, seem to indicate a full refresh, but I don't have any official information on it. But that's, you know, if, if you're going by rumors, then I guess it looks like a full refresh. Yeah. I could see it going either way since they only recently released all the full set of motherboards, so... I could see them maybe just releasing the top end one because they don't. They just released these motherboards. They don't want to have to push out another new round of motherboards to make the motherboard vendors happy. But we'll see. And I think the list, the the, the rumored parts are at the high end, the i seven, yeah. and then later probably eventually i five versions and, and so on, and so on. But high end only, I think are the rumors. Yeah, which would make sense. Uh, over on Facebook, uh, Memo uh, is asking, what is a good stable frequency recommended uh, for overclocking the 8086K without delitting? Um, just until it gets too hot, basically. So find find whatever volt frequency you can operate at and uh, run like run a realistic application that you're going to put like a game or Fire Strike on loop. And then run an unrealistic application like Prime 95, and look at those two thermal numbers with Hardware Info 64. It's a really good free monitoring tool. And if you see you're starting to hit like 90s or thermal throttling, then step back the frequency from there. So it's going to depend. Every CPU is different because uh, the the volt frequency curve on my 8086K versus the one that Gordon, I guess you're giving one away, right? Signed so, edition, Signed right? So, Bryant himself. So the volt frequency curve on those two CPUs is probably different. Uh, so I do, there's not just a hard answer, but the answer is basically um, set a frequency target that you think is achievable, like 5.2. Set a voltage at like maybe 1.35, and then step it down or up based on if it looks like it's stable, and then check the thermals and and go from there. Well, no, you know that that always brings up a really kind of squishy point. I think because you know you hear from a lot of people and they're like I've been pushing five five in my you know. CPU forever for six months. Well, like what? You know, like I, what do you think is a reasonable validation for, you know, stable, right? Because I sometimes think it's just fish stories. Like I'm going to go out and say I'm running six gigahertz, right? Right. You know, people are like, well, they're running six gigahertz. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, if you're really being like, if you're a silicon lottery and you're selling them, I, they're, they're pretty intense with it because they have to guarantee a product that they're selling. But uh, for home use, I define the parameters by what is the CPU going to be doing. So if the CPU is going to be running Blender all day, then I'll set it up at a frequency that I, I want to hold, and I'll tell it to run uh, Blender rendering overnight for like eight hours, check in the morning. If it didn't crash, then that's good enough for me. And uh, if I'm just doing quick testing for like uh, CPU reviews and game benchmarking, I'll push the frequency to whatever it holds for like 30 minutes running Firestrike on loop if it's game testing or maybe Blender on loop for ABX or Prime if you're trying to do really abusive. I'll just do it for 30 minutes because realistically we don't have all the time in the world and you know don't have the CPUs for that long. So uh, if it doesn't fail within 30 minutes in those loads, then most of the time it won't fail. Sometimes it does though. Uh, we have a uh, um, a fun one from Fragalot on uh, Twitch. He's asking, uh, Steve, how was LTX? I'm curious about this, too. LTX was pretty cool, actually. It was, uh, so that's Linus's tech expo. I think they had about a thousand people. You'd have to ask Linus, but it was, um, it was a very high concentration of people in this exact community, which we don't have a lot of events like that. So, uh, really cool to meet up with a bunch of people and 
you get to put faces to the view numbers basically so you know we know who's watching the videos and um i think they linus's team is planning on adding a couple more booths or something next year to reduce line lengths but there's some some value in ltx for tech media i think because it's an easy place for us to all get together and Mm -hmm. collaborate on stuff so it's almost like a VidCon, except it's actually relevant. Oh, cool! So for for the for the uh, PC hardware for our community. audience, yeah, exactly, oh, yeah, fun. yeah. That's how Jay was out there too, right? Yep, he Jay was. Yeah, he was people. out there. Where was it? It was in uh, Van or Richmond near okay. Vancouver. Yeah, Lance is in Canada, so Makes nice. Sense. Uh, on also on Twitch, uh, Dragon Kurt is asking, when will these NVIDIA GPUs come out? Steve, can you tell us? Uh, I believe the rumors have suggested um, August or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's yeah. that's about all mm-hmm. we know. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I thought it was CES. Yeah. Dang it. <coughs> yeah, we were we were hoping for last CES. And then we were hoping <laughs> yeah. for GDC, and then we were hoping eventually they're going <laughs> to happen. I'm convinced there is a disinformation program going on by by companies now because huh. they're sick of the rumors. Huh. So you could just if you keep they're people just creating. Well, at this point, what do you believe, right? We've been told every single tech event for the last year that they're going to come out. So yeah, people knows? people thought they were going to come out at Computex, right? Hmm. And that's that doesn't happen too frequently. I'll, I'll add no. that, but yeah. like so yeah, now we're here in August. I don't know if it's going to be August. It wasn't Computex. It wasn't CES. It wasn't March. Like, uh, it wasn't PAX. So we've heard every every date for the last 10 months possible, um, and it hasn't been those dates. So we'll see if these rumors hold true. Yep. Uh, oh, no. I heard it's coming out September 5th. No, remember. It's my we, birthday. No, we found out <laughs> it was uh, Drake's birthday. Oh, Drake's yeah, birthday. It's, remember, it's coming out on Drake's birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what Jensen did. What's yeah. Drake's birthday? Look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Why? We're launching that thing. What? I lost a bet to him yesterday. I got to launch on that. <laughs> Sir, we can't do that. Yeah, uh, we have one from uh, on YouTube from Adam. It's a great name. Uh, is Gamers Nexus going to do coverage on Gigabyte's fake eight-phase VRMs? Uh, I'm actually not too brought up to speed on that. I saw Buildzoid talking about it the other day, yep. and I asked him if he wanted to do a video on our channel for it, and I think he ended up doing one on his own. So that's one where, I mean... He's more in tune with that than I am because I was out of town for the last week. So I just checked Buildzoid's channel, which is actually hardcore overclogging. I think he talked about it. I think it's like a 50-minute rant, so oh, be prepared. Nice. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. We may cover it in a news video. I just I need him to brief me so that I can recap it in a quicker fashion. <laughs> cool. Uh, Dead in Red uh, is asking, how big are the performance per watt improvements from Volta to Pascal? Uh, the performance per watt from Volta to Pascal, is that the question? Yes. So it uh, we kind of tested that with the V100, with the, the Titan V. Um, I th- think the Titan V was pretty power hungry, but performance per watt was definitely improved on it. I can't remember exactly what our results were, uh, but overall it was a performance uplift, primarily in asynchronous compute applications where the new architecture, and this will probably count for the next-gen GPU also, which is something we uh, publicly confirmed several months ago with NVIDIA. But um, next-gen architecture should be more focused on things like async compute and uh, Vulkan DX12. But as far as performance per watt, it was better, but it was still power-hungry. So I don't know. I'd have to go look at my old content. I, I actually don't keep all the numbers memorized, believe it or not. What? <laughs> that, that async compute thing actually... Uh 
springs to mind recently, people were making a big deal about Radeon cards being so far ahead in Battlefield V beta, ahead of NVIDIA cards, which made me think, everyone's like, oh, they're going to get stomped. I'm like, that makes me think that we might see some interesting stuff in the next generation NVIDIA cards, actually, is what that makes me think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It'd be, I mean, any new games are going to be a good place to look for that because that's that's where you're going to see this stuff leveraged more, mm. most likely. Uh, on YouTube, Jesus Cabello Schmorberg uh, is asking, when will you make an RGB benchmarks video? <laughs> uh, I, first, first we need like hmm. a, a camera that can capture full spectrum light, <laughs> and then I'll let you know where it goes from there. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I gotta say, it really could be an issue because you remember the original i mean i swear to god this it feels like this is where it all started from the original corsair keyboards the rgb keyboards oh yeah and then it turned out like oh the controller couldn't really hit 16.7 million colors like you could ever see the difference but <laughs> it did turn into an issue million. <laughs> yeah that that was actually uh a pretty big difference they did yeah, it was, it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a lot, but still, it was like I don't think the, anybody noticed. Even they didn't notice. Most most people wouldn't notice. I don't think unless they're like, unless you're really an enthusiast about that kind of stuff, you would notice. But for for most average buyers, uh, especially if you've never owned an RGB anything before, you're not going to be able to tell. Yeah, I'd be more concerned with uh, PWM and some of these RGBs because you can see the stepping with some of them. So. Uh, these questions uh, just keep coming in. Thank you so much uh, for going. We're, we'll go for a couple more minutes now. Um, uh, good old Rusty's asking, um, do you have out-of-the-box thermals for the new B40, B450 boards yet? Not yet. Um, we I got back from LTX yesterday and opened a bunch of boxes and saw we had some come in. So I'll start testing those pretty soon. All the, all the gamers Nexus memes are coming out today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Elopez 580, uh, what was the CPU used for the RIP LTT stream? That'd be the 7980XE. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, they will continue. Uh, and then Timothy is asking, uh, when are the medium sized mod mats coming and what size will they be? He wants one so, so those, bad. Yeah, we're looking at, we're in sampling for those. Uh, we're looking at 32 by 16 inches. If you go by freedom units, uh, I don't know what that is in millimeters. You can go convert it yourself. That's uh, so 32 by 16. And uh, in the next couple of months, we I think we're getting our final sample. Actually, I think we got it today. I have to go look at it, though. Well, I have a question, Adam. I just want to throw it in there. Yeah, no, um, go for it. So uh, I'm looking at water cooling my M.2 drive, and I was wondering what you think about it. I'm just joking. But do you think <laughs> – I, I got to ask him because, you know, Steve is very much associated with, hey, uh, putting these thermal pads on M.2 is, is not a good idea. It's been going on, it feels like, for two years now, and it just came up again recently, didn't it? So, yes, good, yeah. bad, just stupid because, uh, I mean – the the short version of this is that you might want to uh might want to pull heat off the controller but not actually the flash the flash is what stores all your data on ssds and flash actually likes to be hotter when it's active for writing for writes specifically and it likes to be colder if it's not doing anything so although you could like if you wanted to put a bunch of stuff on an ssd or a usb drive with flash storage and then lock it away as backup. You should actually lock it away somewhere colder. But if you are putting it in a system, you want it to be warm while it's operating. So 
you would, for example, if you run at, uh, I don't know, 25 degrees Celsius for the flash instead of 40 degrees Celsius, you're more, you're pretty close to cutting the life of the flash in half. And, um, the thing is though, if I don't know, actually getting it down to 25 C during a write is pretty hard. So the water blocks might not even be able to do that for the most part, but ideally what you do, if you're getting a water block, it's primarily for looks, first of all, on a flash drive. Well, no, it, it's, <laughs> it makes it faster. Yeah, yeah. So on an SSD, the chances of thermal throttling are extremely low already. If you are going to thermal throttle, then you probably know you're going to thermal throttle because it's really limited use cases. But if you do, best thing to do is put a heatsink on the controller and nothing else, or connect the backside of the PCB under where the controller is. Doesn't even have to touch the controller itself under the controller connect that to the motherboard via thermal pad because the motherboard's made out of copper and fiberglass so it is a heat sink and the pcb is not going to care if it's warmer so that'd be the best thing to do uh the problem is that doesn't look good so typically you know you get manufacturers doing things like water blocks and stuff like that it's fine if you want to do a water block just we would recommend what alan malventano from pc per recommended which is to uh cut the thermal pad where the flash is and just connect it only to the controller Hmm. Uh, a couple more questions uh, one from Facebook John's asking uh, what are your thoughts Steve on Intel making a GPU I, I think it's great if any vendor can get into the GPU market and uh, we're stuck with duopolies for all of the ma major silicon components and we're, we've got three companies for memory mm -hmm. so yeah if Intel can make an actual GPU that is in consumer then i'd certainly welcome it because it'd be good to have three different companies with different launch schedules trying to push each other more competition is always better for us folks who are actually buying stuff <laughs> so. yeah definitely nice. uh we got a yes or no question this is just a yes or no question from uh, peter jensen uh on on youtube he's asking steve can Steve complain about all the wasted costs for decorating the motherboards instead of just using decent components for VRMs? Just yes or no. Can you complain? Yes. Okay, there we go. That was easy. No, you can't. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, the problem is I know everybody wants to bag on motherboard makers for adding the, the, the LEDs and the fake heat sinks on a lot of the bottom-end budget boards. But the reason why they do that is because that's why people buy them. People didn't buy them, they wouldn't do it, right? If they just like true. spent more money for a higher-end board, but they want the higher-end looks with the lower-end cost. That's what so. uh, the dude from uh, Bethesda just said when someone asked him, when are you guys going to make quit making new Skyrim ports? And he goes, when are you guys quit buying them? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Valid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, do I get the last question? Uh, you, you keep going no, I, I've, I've got, I've got two more. Okay, go. Uh, one of them is from uh, Elopez580. Steve, can you recommend a vacuum? Do you, do you have a good one? Uh, that's tech-related, right? <laughs> I, know, I, know. I still don't believe those are any good. I'm sorry. I, I just... I got Sears. You get, I buy my vacuums from Sears. That's why you're supposed to buy your vacuum. Well, fun, fun fact. We um, visited a, a CEO of a tech company for uh, a tour of some, some technology around... Computex time, and I saw that exact vacuum in the corner <laughs> of the CEO's <laughs> residence. We're like, oh, God, it's, it's red. Did, it's you try it? did you try it? I, I just, I don't know. I, I did not, but he, but he said he loves it. So. <laughs> I don't All right, uh, my last question is uh, from Dragon Curd on uh, Twitch. He's asking, Steve, when will Gordon get his Gamers Nexus t-shirt? Oh, yeah, when he buys one. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah when I buy, you know what? I'll buy one, and then Steve can send one. We can give it away. There we go. Perfect. We, we can send plenty of stuff. So we just, like I said earlier, we just got the mod mat shipment in like today, I think. Uh, that was super delayed because of holidays and stuff. But um, so yeah, we just got those in. Last time I asked Gordon for an address to send the mod mats to, I got it too late, and we had already sent them all out. Sorry, he, Gordon. He actually responded we'll, to an email. I'm bad at no, it. No, it's Twitter because I don't. Okay. I don't know how to yeah, use Twitter. Twitter. Sounds like Gordon. I didn't get a manual on it. I don't know what yeah. that means. But, but I have the uh, I have the address now, and I just got more in. So we are planning to send a few more out. Right. Send one to you guys. Okay. And we'll we'll give it away. We'll, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll give. We should give it away. I will buy yeah, one. Can. I shouldn't freeload. Pe- people. I always hit Paul up too. Like Paul, where's my free T-shirt, man? It's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'll write it down. Paul's so nice. He's just the nicest guy in the world, right? So it's yeah, just like, yeah, it's like he's probably like. You cheap son of a. <laughs> so, I so my question, Steve. Last question. Last, very last question. Are you still angry about the Computex 18 core Intel demo? <laughs> uh, I think that the the 18 core demo, I still have all the same problems with. So, like one thing I didn't mention in that video that. Uh, oh no! Sorry. Oh, 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 I was totally wrong. 28 cores. <laughs> yeah, 28 core. Thank you. Um, yeah. So the 28 core. Uh, one thing I didn't mention in the video is that when it actually comes out and it's real, it will be a different architecture, but it wasn't, as far as we know, and I'm pretty confident in this, it was not a different architecture in that demo. It was Skylake X. So uh, we spoke to Intel, so did Tom's Hardware and a couple other people, and uh, basically the, uh, the the public version of Intel's story was uh, we forgot to say it was overclocked. And so, you know, benefit of the doubt, okay, sure, they forgot, mm-hmm. but um, no, I, I, you don't expect it to be like the demo was. It will be a, a different architecture. It's not going to be like 5.0 out of the box or 28 cores. So uh, I would say that now that the story is out and everyone pretty much understands how it worked, I'm fine with everything. We worked with Intel on the 8086K, so they're cool with it too. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully the actual 28 core is is legitimate because that would be a, a killer processor if it's uh at least marketed in, a, in an honest way i think would be all i want from it but generally high course so it really so you believe that what we saw was not what we're going to get as far as no. actual There's, architecture no, it, it, it was, was attached to like a crazy cooler man there's no way that's going to be <laughs> what anybody gets in there well i mean all i don't think i don't think i believe that they you know we're going to get a a 28 core 5 gigahertz part. I don't think anybody, I don't think, you know, yeah. but I, I'm kind of well, wondering though. So I didn't realize that it may actually be, was it Whiskey Lake or whatever it is? That may have been Sky Lake. Lake. Cascade Lake. I can't keep yeah. track, but yeah. So huh. yeah, unfortunately, you know, the, the 5.0 thing, a lot of, like a lot of your competitors, kind of the bigger media outlets that do uh, mostly written journalism. A lot of those stories were 5.0 gigahertz, 28 cores. And, People like us, we get that it's not going to be 5.0, 28 cores, but uh, some of the less technical sites have no idea, so they're just going to publish that. And um, uh, the other thing, too, is, uh, yeah, it did have some advanced cooling on it. It was a basically a Xeon processor with uh, custom microcode on it. And I think the, the actual proper thing should be, I guess, Cascade Lake and, uh, and um, as opposed to Skylake and... We'll see. I don't know. Should be should be like a, a bit more genuine than the Skylake X twenty eight core demo we saw. So a short answer, he's still a little miffed. So, <laughs> but uh, I think we are actually out of time, Adam. Are yeah, we? Let's, are uh, we? let's take it out. 
All right, we are, we are, and I, I do, I want to say thank you to Steve for being here. Steve, wait, yes, wait, 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 wait. Steve oh, wait. needs to tell us where we can, the audio listeners need to know where they can find Steve. On oh, right, yeah, yeah, let us know. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, so gamersnexus.net or .com if you prefer for the website, or if you like the YouTube content, then you can just go to youtube.com slash gamersnexus should take you to the channel. Cool. Boom. Awesome. Thank you, and thank you for coming. Yeah. And check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, give us a review. Every time you do, we get cool people like Steve. And also (laughs) Google Play and Stitcher. Send questions and comments to the Full Nerd uh, at PCWorld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Next time, I'll be back in the TV. (laughs) Steve Burke. Thank you. And Adam Patrick Murray is going to hit the off switch. Uh, Everyone go check out Gabriel's Nexus. It's awesome.